Welcome to In The Lead Podcast with your host, Kim Harris, where we explore and expose topics that might impact or impede your ability to be a better leader. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of In The Lead with Kim Harris, where we explore and expose topics that might impact or impede your ability to be a better leader. I'm so grateful for all of you who are joining us today. And if you are new to this platform, I want to say welcome. Thank you so much for joining. There could have been so many other places that you could have been spending your time at this very moment, but I'm grateful that you chose to spend it here on this platform just to learn a little bit more about how to become a better leader. And if you are returning to our platform, I want to say welcome back. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate all that you do in support of In the Lead with Kim Harris and to get those leadership nuggets out into the world. So listen, I am so excited about our episode today. It is all around a book titled Queen Bee Chronicles, Empowering Women, to challenge biases and spark change. And guess what? I have the author of this very book here with us today, (laughs) joining us on this platform, really to just pour out her heart and soul as to what went into the writing of this book. And really just to give you a little bit of a glimpse as to what she was thinking, what she was exploring as this topic came across her desk. So I want to invite to our platform, Dr. Melissa Bloom. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Kim. Absolutely. So what I'd like for you to do, there may be some people on this platform who are new to your work. Can you kindly introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do and what led you here today? So I am currently an entrepreneur. I have started my own leadership, coaching and growth business. But prior to that, I worked with you, Kim, uh, and uh, in the education sector, also in leadership. And going back further, I was in the public education system. So raising leaders has, has always sort of been, you know, something that, that I've been deeply invested in. Yeah. And I've personally benefited from your leadership and so happy that our, our paths have crossed. I've gleaned so much. I'm just so admired by uh, just your personal stance and what you, what you bring to the leadership lens. And so I'm so glad that we're here today, really kind of exposing uh, the book that you've written and that is now on the shelves. And I have my copy. So just so everybody knows, I have my (laughs) copy. It's definitely a great read, but let's go ahead and and really delve into it by really kind of helping us understand how you define the term Queen Bee. What do you mean by that? And how can people kind of get behind that understanding of what a Queen Bee is and why it's so significant to this conversation? So uh, back in middle school, we all knew the mean girls, right? And so I think the simplest definition uh, of a Queen Bee is a mean girl in the office space um, who isn't doesn't have the back of you know her fellow sisters in the workplace. When I set out to write the book, um, I think I came at it from the idea that there would be a, a very specific box that these people fit into, and that I could define that box. And the book was really intended to go in the direction of here's the trauma that you may have inflicted having worked with this type of a person here's how you overcome it 
but what I really came to find out was that that really simple definition that I give you isn't that simple and that there's a lot that goes into the psychiatry and the social awareness and the culture of, of somebody who might present themselves that in that manner and they may not even know it. Yeah. And so instead of focusing on the trauma, I ended up focusing on, you know, we all might encompass pieces of this and uh, changing that kind of a culture in the workplace is responsibility we all own. Yeah. So Melissa, do me a favor, unpack this book and, and very, oh. well, we want everybody to buy it. So don't, don't give all of, uh, this. <laughs> okay. we want them to, to actually delve into it and read it for themselves. But as I was reading it and I kind of want you to speak a little bit to the format and what led you to sure. how you formatted the book, but also unpack it for us in terms of what do you think people should take away from the insights that you've delved into? Okay, sure. I, I told you earlier that when I first started writing this book, it kind of started like it, it felt like a dissertation, right? Um, nobody wanted to read another dissertation. I really didn't want to write another one. Um, but I, I spent a lot of time going into the research because I thought I was answering this really simple question, right? And as I was getting stories from the the women that you hear in the book, who obviously I changed their names, um, I didn't know exactly where those were going to fit yet in the book. So the research enabled me to sort of match the stories in a, in a way. But when it all came down to it, uh, I moved the chapters around about 20 different times, to be honest. Um, when it really came down to it, I ended up starting off the book really with a description of who we as women are in the workplace, um, which hasn't really been very well defined in a long time if ever. Uh, and so the book starts off more with intersectionality and biases and microaggressions before I even get to the, the topic of queen bees, because I thought it was important after reorganizing all of those chapters that we see ourselves in those situations and those stories, and then understand that we all could be encompassing pieces of this. And there are some women that are definitely the mean girls in the workplace, but knowing what has contributed to that and how to support each other and push against it, um, that's an entirely different, you know, part. Yeah. And then in doing that, I couldn't address intersectionality, obviously, without and biases without addressing the fact that different women experience bias and microaggression very differently in the workplace. And that was not something I planned to bring in um, because it quite honestly wasn't part of my own lived story. Uh, so that was that that sent me down another research, you know, hole and having a lot of really open and on, honest conversations with women that were willing to have those conversations uh, sent me back out looking for more diverse stories from people that were willing to share them. The book kind of took on its own form and I, it became what it is because I think that's what it was supposed to be in the end. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned diversity and one one mm -hmm. recurrent thing that I captured in there is empowerment. So when I think yes. about empowerment and diversity, when you think about the people that you want this book to get into the hands of, how do you suggest we receive this and what do you think our goal should be as we read this book and as we move about in the workplace? What, what should we be focusing in on? I think the empowerment piece is universal. 
right? So, but the, the thing about the empowerment piece is if you don't, if you're reading the book, and I'm going to say this specifically because uh, when I, I sent this book to beta readers, I, I chose a diverse group of women on purpose, right? And the white women that I sent it to found a little bit more to take away in life experiences they hadn't experienced. And some of the black women I sent it to said, oh, okay, we've like, yep, had that story, understand that. And it made me realize that people are going to read the book and take different things away. The empowerment piece is central, but if we don't come at empowerment under the lens of understanding that different people have different experiences and some face more hardships than others, we can't come at a solution as a collective. You know, we're like on these separate little islands fighting battles. We don't even know somebody else is fighting on another island. And I don't think you can tackle empowerment of women in the workforce, which is actually something that has, that whole system was built to not support women in the workforce, particularly by white men. How do you do that if everybody's fighting a, a battle blind and not willing to see what other people are enduring? Yes. Oh, that's so powerful. I know as I was reading the book, uh, there were so many pieces that really rang true for me, but then also things that I didn't realize it was deeper than I initially thought. Mm -hmm. And so in the book, you, you almost devote almost a whole chapter to just microaggressions, yes. right? What led you there? Talk a little bit about, you know, what you discovered as you were really extracting all of the various types of microaggressions there are. Sure. The piece about bias is what drove me to microaggressions, but that's been a, it has been a topic that has been very front and center, I think, in the leadership world for a few years now. And I don't really know that very many of us outside of those in the DEI circle have really dove into it. I hadn't mm -hmm. yet as a leader myself, but I'd heard, you know, different concerns from people over my own leadership career. And when I dug, I also kind of took away what you did, like, oh, wow, there's more to this than I thought. And um, also, I think the big takeaway was it's not my place to define whether that's a microaggression for you. I need to understand how a microaggression is formed and received, not try to say, no, you're wrong. That's not a microaggression. This is what I meant. And that's what I see and hear so often is people trying, I, I think from a good place to try to say, oh, no, 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 that's not what they meant. That's not what she meant. You know, let, let's, let's sweep that under the rug and just keep going. But that in itself is just a huge issue of empowering one another because we've, we've essentially just disempowered someone by devaluating their experience. And I, I feel like we need to understand that. So we stop doing it. Yes. And that's the thing. So ladies, uh, even men, if you're out there, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that right. not cool to do. I, right. I was reading it. I, I kept thinking about, um, there was a part where you said that some people feel like they're, they are called as being oversensitive whenever they identify a microaggression. And, and yes. I said, I have been in many situations where people have devalued or undermined something that, that I've said, even in, in the, in the workplace, especially. Absolutely. But, um, and I had to make a decision as to if this was going to be the moment that I would choose 
to help somebody understand and do differently. And so I see this book as a clarion call to stop, you know, and to really be self-reflective in our words and our choices and where we choose to put ourselves and the things that we choose to do. And, and and I think it's just a, it's just a nod to say, we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to one another to, to take a, a concerted look at how we are impacting the lives of other people. And, and that's what, that's kind of the central, the central thing that just was weaving in and out of this book for me. But, but Melissa, just kind of take us through thinking about some of those challenges that, that you've identified, that you've exposed. How do you, how do you envision us taking away these these big ideas and really chunking them so that they're mm-hmm. that they are able to be digested with people and really truly make a change what what sure. strategy could we use to be able to do that i tried to provide uh sort of a stepping stone strategy in the book uh so the book is is definitely chunked into various topics that sort of build on each other right and the reflection questions at the end of each chapter are really intended for individual women or, or men. I think men should read the book too, but individuals to stop and think, how have I contributed to this or how have I seen it or um, how have I been a, a bystander in this, uh, you know, to the microaggression point before, instead of me blurting out, hey, why are you worried about that? Or you're being over you know, emotional or whatnot how do I take a step back and reflect, right? So the, the end of chapter questions are really intended to do that. At the end of the book, there are two um, book guides, if you will, one for a workplace uh, to have um, it's a little bit more work-centered versus another one that's a little bit deeper that I sort of intend. I saw maybe a women's group or... Um, maybe a little bit more progressive company that's had some of these conversations before uh, going into. So there's definitely sort of levels of, of ability to have the conversations. And then the appendix, appendices has some additional uh, supports in terms of even some self-assessments, how to look at a women's professional group and see if they're really about diversity and empowering women or if they're not, you know, just some of those things, because I think women get bombarded a lot with, come be part of this group, come be part of this, you know, sisterhood. And it's not always a positive place to be. That's truth. That's the truth. And I know as I was looking um, at the book and just thinking about what's my next step? Like, what what do I need to do after having read this? Um, What what is my challenge and and my charge to do this? I want to make sure that people know that there's opportunities for you to really engage in some continued conversations around this. It's not just the D it's not about just DEI in it. You know, you, you have delved so deeply into those topics that really explore uh, areas that are hidden, you know, and Mm -hmm. that are, that we, some people do a really good job trying to keep hidden, you know, (laughs) but, but it is, it is so timely for us to not hinder the progress of women in leadership that we do all that we can 
to reach each other. I always say each one reach one. It, it is our responsibility to do that. But what I want to share with our audience is that there is no reason why you can't delve into this. Melissa has provided you questions, uh, sentence starters, all kinds of things that will support you as you work with the community abroad. And so I encourage you, in fact, I implore you to take a look at these particular opportunities that you can use to be able to expand your own reach and not become a queen bee yourself. Okay, let's let's kind of stop there. <laughs> right, so, right. Um, Melissa, that was just so empowering uh, for me to read. And so I thank you for choosing me as one to have had a, a early look at, at your literature and because it really was truly empowering for me and caused me to take a step back and think about what am I going to do individually and collectively to be able to challenge successfully, not just challenge and be so super woke that nobody can hear me or see me, but be uh, challenging in a successful way so that I can, in fact, spark meaningful change. And so I want to thank you for just your uh, uh, willingness to be on this platform. Thank but you. just before I let you go, there's <laughs> so much more to our time okay. together that I really want to uh, get your input on. And there is a segment that we have on in the lead titled Boss People Making Boss Moves. And this is where we like to highlight influential people in our work or just somebody that influences you. So is there someone in your circle, Melissa, that you could shout out as a boss person making boss moves? Gosh, I've had so many women, uh, you know, positive women, not Queen Bee women in my life. Uh, but I have to say, and this she's mentioned in the in the very uh beginning of my thank you chapter, Julissa Nixon picked my butt on this book. She was like, girl, you're going to write in 50 days. I want the draft. Um, and I was like, there's no way I can write a book in, in 50 days. But um, she's one of those people, if you know her, yes. uh, that made it happen. Uh, and she offered me a lot of very honest feedback. Um, I think she's a, a very dynamite woman boss. And uh, it, this book would not have been written had it not been for her. Yes, I do know her well, and I'm so glad <laughs> you mentioned her. Uh, I've been following her for a while, and she is yeah. such a quiet force, but oh, one yes. so intensely positive and really wants to see you do well. And that, that you yes. is like anybody who crosses yes. her really wants yes. to see you do well. And I know she's doing her own thing in the AI. She is. And uh, make sure that we drop her socials in this particular podcast. But uh, yes. we want to shout you out, Jalissa, for being a boss, making boss moves in your community. <laughs> so thank you Absolutely. for that. Another segment that we like to delve into is all about what's lit in literature. So what's on your shelf today, Melissa? What are you reading other than your own book? What are yeah. <laughs> you reading today and what can we glean from some of the things that you are actually engaging in? Well, since I just finished the book, I'm not reading anything really particular right now. But there were books that definitely influenced this book um, that made me go, oh, I need to dig further into this. And I have to say, um, and I have them right here on my shelf, Regina Jackson and Sarah Rouse, you probably can't see this back uh -huh. screen on, okay. um, White Women, I've got it all mark because just like you said earlier I, what i want people to take away is that the book leaves enough an impression on them that when they go into their daily lives and say and act and do they go am i doing that thing 
right? And so this book made me still makes me go, am I doing that thing? Um, when I interact with other people and then I really have to shout out, sorry, I should grab these in advance. Iffy Ike's The Equity Mindset, which uh, was a fairly recent publication and again, um, kind of looks at equity from a different lens than I did, but it's all part of a bigger system, right? And uh, so these are the two nonfiction books that I keep going back to the most. Yeah, That's why they're sitting right there. Absolutely. I love it. We're going to drop the titles of those books and the authors in our show notes. So if you are looking for other books to read that will continue to challenge you and continue to cause you to make a choice and make a change, those some books that we can definitely expose you to. And just also one other section that we like to think about is all around your super mission. So I heard you say earlier in your introduction that you just launched your business expanse. And I want us to think about how you launched it and what your super mission is when you decided to say, hey, I'm going to take this leap. What do you want the world to know? And what do you want your legacy to be? Gotcha. Well, I want my legacy to be that you can be a fabulous, strong leader and still be kind and have empathy. That's one of the stereotypes around women leaders, you know, that kindness is a weakness and that if, if we're not aggressive and assertive in this, then we're meek and we're mild. And I don't believe that to be true. And I think that our society is missing a lot on the empathy lens and emotional intelligence. And so when I started the, the Expanse Strategist business, it's a growth business consulting. Um, I particularly want to work with mission-based companies who have who have a, a reason to need to grow to impact society for the better good, whatever their mission is. There's just, again, it, kind of that island concept. There's so many really important causes. And if those companies can be successful, more people they touch, the more their cause spreads. And I'd love to be a piece of that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let me tell you, having worked with you, you are indeed kind. You Thank are you. a fearless leader who is always concerned with the, with how others are doing, how they're feeling, and, and not just saying it to say, okay, how are you doing? But really listening and really uh, standing at the ready to make an impact in the lives of other people. So I thank you for thank the you. you left on my life. And I'm so appreciative that you've decided to join us in this platform. So what we always like to do before we close out our session is leave our listeners with a question of the day. And all around thinking about uh, the Queen Bee Chronicles, here's what I'd like to leave for our listeners. How do you plan to successfully challenge biases and spark meaningful change in leadership? It is up to you to make that change. And so I am so thankful that Melissa brought this to the forefront for us today. I'm so thankful that she's exposed and delved into so many different meaningful topics for us today to start the conversation and hopefully continue it in a much more positive way. So, Melissa, let everybody know how they can reach you. Drop your socials down. Like, how can sure. we reach you? My email is uh, mbloom at expansestrategist.com, uh, or they can follow me on LinkedIn, uh, which you can either drop in the Expanse Strategist, or you can follow me at Melissa BLM ES. 
Thank you, Melissa. And thank ladies you. and gentlemen, thank you and continue to reach out for Melissa for um, just more in-depth information and conversation all around Queen Bee Chronicles, empowering women to challenge biases and spark change. Thank you so much, Melissa, for joining us. Thank you for having me, Kim. Absolutely. We certainly hope you've enjoyed today's episode and please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to In The Lead Podcast with Kim Harris. Make it a great day.